praise the Lord. Today we continue with Jesus and the leper. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. An example of Jesus going about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil is found in Matthew chapter 8 verses 1 through to 4. It says, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, Show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now before we look at the ninth exchange, I want to encourage us all. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7, it says wisdom is the principal thing. And it says get wisdom. And with thy getting, get what? Understanding. You see, we are in the dispensation of wisdom. Listen carefully to me. What God is about to do is that ordinary human beings will walk the face of the earth as Jesus walked the face of the earth. As I said on Sunday, there's a problem. And that problem is that many, because they are not prepared to just exercise themselves a bit, are interested, however, in knowing tomorrow. And because you want to know tomorrow, you can only find that out from the spirit of divination. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. It is not the Holy Spirit. You will get into serious trouble. If you are here and you are praying prayers like fall down and die, you will get into serious trouble. If you are here and you are praying the garment of shame that Satan put upon me, I tear it off at 3 o'clock in the morning, you will get into trouble. Why will you get into trouble? You get into trouble because it shows your ignorance. You know, if you know nothing and you keep quiet, people will not know that you know nothing. But when you open your mouth and show that you are ignorant, everybody will now know that you are a fool. If you don't know anything at all and you just keep quiet, Satan knows nothing about you. When he sees you, putting a Bible under your pillow and sleeping at night. He knows you have no understanding. When he sees you saying, fall down and die, fall down and die for one hour, he knows you have no understanding. Never pray prayers. I saw a book just this week. As soon as I saw the book and opened it and looked through a bit, I said, this book, we don't want it in this church. Crazy book. There's people are mixing the occult with Christianity. And if you don't know the difference between the word of God and the occult, you will get into trouble. Elementals. Do you know what elementals are? Elementals are boisterous demonic spirits. Everybody say elementals are boisterous demonic spirits. So when you address the spirits of the elements, you are calling forth demons. It's so simple. That is English, English language. It's not even a question of going to Bible college. Be careful the kind of prayers you pray. There are all sorts of foolish books outside there putting together prayers that don't make sense. And foolish people, some of them in this church, foolish. What do I say? Foolish. Buy those books and pray those prayers. There's something wrong with you if you do those things. You want to pray prayers? Pray what? Scripture. Pray what? Open the Bible and pray what the Bible says, as we do in this church. Anything else is dangerous to your spiritual life. God will help everybody. These things you are learning about the cross, if you know all of them, I, I did a small test yesterday, I, and, and one day you'll come in here, you'll find that test. I just give out pieces of paper to people, 
And I said, write down all the names of the Holy Spirit. And I saw some names that we have never put up on the board here. Strange names. God will help everybody. They put the names here. If you want, copy those names. Don't create names that don't exist. In the celestial church of Christ, every prayer goes to a demon. Because when they say Jehovah, Jesus Christ, Holy Saint Michael, Holy Saint Michael is a demon. There's nothing like Holy Saint Michael in the Bible. Nothing. Nothing like that. That is a demon. So be careful. Don't go and carry problem and come and meet us here. We are going somewhere. And our God is the only wise God. He's a God of wisdom. Just follow me today and let's see what we'll learn. The last time we looked at this subject, we looked at the fact that Jesus on the cross died and took the place of our rejection so that we might have what? His acceptance. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, the Bible says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He made us accepted in the Beloved. Now, you see, if you are understanding the things we are doing, you wonder, what is it to be accepted in the Beloved? Matthew chapter 3 verse 17 says, And lo, a voice from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So when you see in Ephesians 1, 6, accepted in the Beloved, you know it means accepted in Christ. Now, if you are listening and you have any iota of wisdom at all, one of the things you will learn is that if Jesus went to the cross, took your rejection so that you might have its acceptance. One of the things I said, I remember clearly that day, is that the moment you understand that, then you will not be afraid again in going to the embassy, in going for an interview. Why? Because you belong to a superior body. You are in Christ. Nobody on the face of this earth can stand against Christ. To be accepted in Christ means the things that cannot be found in Christ cannot be found in you. But see, if you don't make that connection, then nothing will happen. The moment you make that connection and you understand it, something must drop off in your life that ought not to be there. And we said that was exchange number eight. Just so that we all remember I'll run through all the exchanges we've learned in the past. Exchange number one, that is the first benefit you get from the cross, is that Jesus was punished so that you might be forgiven. Secondly, that Jesus was wounded so that you might be healed. So when he says that you are accepted in the beloved, it means therefore that sickness that cannot be found in Jesus cannot be found in you. Because you are not on your own anymore. You are aware in Christ. The life that you and I now live in Christ is a life that must show forth everything that was in Jesus when he walked the face of the earth. And since Jesus was never involved in an accident where an Okada threw him off the road, if you are in Christ, you will never be involved in an accident with an Okada. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to know these things and believe them. Believe them how? The same way that you believe that you are saved. Exchange number three. Jesus was made sin with your sinfulness that you might be the righteousness. You might be made righteous with his righteousness. Four. Christ died our death that we might share his life. Five. Jesus was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. Jesus endured our poverty, number six, that we might share in his abundance. And we explained that clearly. And if you look at, go back to that tape, and you'll find that to be poor is a curse. It is. Because we took it right through to Deuteronomy 28 to show that the things that Jesus, when Jesus said, I thirst, has to do with a curse, as listed in Deuteronomy 28. Exchange number seven, Jesus bore our shame 
that we might share his glory. And we've said that we were were made, created for his what? For his glory. And when I spoke about the glory of God, I did explain that Jesus was the best example of the manifestation of God's glory. And he bore our shame so that we might share his glory. You've got to make these connections. Extreme number eight is that he endured a rejection that we might enjoy his acceptance. The ninth exchange on the cross, which is very important. This exchange is very important. Herein lies a lot of problems for people. An old man died in Jesus that the new man might live in us. An old man died in Jesus so that the new man might live in us. Remember, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, When a man is in Christ, all things are passed away. All things become new. He's a brand new creature. So there's a new man, there's an old man. The old man died in Christ so that the new man might live in us. This is the ninth exchange. This is the ninth exchange you get at the cross. Understand this, that one of the reasons why Jesus went to the cross, it's not just so that you might receive salvation. There's something called the old man. Everybody say the old man. And there's something called the new man. Everybody say the new man. Who is the old man? What is the old man? In the New Testament, the Bible speaks of two men. One, the old man, and two, the new man. The important thing is the old man is not your father at all. The old man refers to the sinful nature we inherited from Adam. Everybody say the old man. Refers to the sinful nature we inherited in Adam. Keep that at the back of your mind. It's very important. So when we refer to the old man, we are talking about Adam. What was it about Adam that was not acceptable to God? Very simple. He disobeyed God. It was through Adam that the thing called sin came into the world. Adam is seen in the Bible as the rebel, the man who disobeyed God, and as a result of that, opened the door for sin and death to come into the world. And so from that moment on, everybody that came after Adam had that nature of Adam, that nature that is the nature of a rebel. A rebel is one who disobeys God. A rebel is one who sins. Jesus Christ, when he came, came to show us what it is to be obedient. Do you understand? Please try to understand this because it will help you. Everyone that is born of the flesh has in him and her that sin nature, that ability to disobey God. This is the way Isaiah puts it. It says in Isaiah chapter 5, 53 verse 6 rather, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep have done what? We've gone astray. To go astray means we've gone our own way. We have not gone the way of God. And this is the root problem of mankind today. Everyone is going his own way and not the way of God. And this rebellion is against God. Every sin, every problem of mankind is traceable to the rebellion against God, as we see in the Garden of Eden. And our old man is a rebel. Our old man can be an alcoholic rebel, for example. There are Christians here who still drink beer, both men and women. I've seen a female Christian before quaffing beer, and I was in a state of shock. And there are men here who still drink beer. They are an alcoholic rebel, pure and simple. 
there are people who are called sexual rebels. What is a sexual rebel? People who are in church, who claim to be Christians, and are involved in what I call full-time fornication. You don't care that the word of God says it's not right. So you go ahead and you do what you will. Some are even religious rebels. In other words, you have your own kind of religion. You know, there are, there are people who believe that. Um, I'll say it in Yoruba. They say, onoko woja. That means you want to go into a market. You can't go through only one way. In many ways, enter a market. And so you look at Christianity as a market. I can go through fall down and die. I can go through holy, 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 holy. I can go through uh, all kinds of ways. Some people go through Jehovah, Jesus Christ, the Holy Saint Michael. They don't, and they are ignorant people. There's only one way. This um, last Sunday, I went to see a gentleman who had not come to church for a while. So I was saying, why, why haven't you come to church, Oga? And, you know, we wanted to argue with me about there are many ways. I said, there's only one way. He said, ah, if there's only one way, am I saying that all the people are not Christians, we go to hell? I said, well, well. He said, it can never happen. I said, are you God? You're not God. He said, so all the Muslims. I said, is God a Muslim? If he's not a Muslim, you go, want to go to where God is. You go the way God says, you will get there. I said, and the only way that we know is from this Bible. I say, ah, all those who, I said, they cannot perish. I say, wait and see. I say, you want to use your brain to understand God. You've got to do things the way God wants things done. Pure and simple. We cannot say because, um, like we were in Israel the other day, we saw some Americans who had come on pilgrimage. And they were drinking brandy, you know, happily. It can never be right. It just can't be. Because in no time they'll be high. And all kinds of things will happen. You've got to be sane. You're two feet on the ground. You've got to know what you're doing at all times. Now, the old man, everybody say the old man is that which produces our carnal nature. The old man is that which tilts towards the flesh and not towards spiritual things. Follow me carefully. Today is a deliverance service. Now, what is God's prescription for the old man? What does God say we should do with the old man? Does he say you should educate him? Does he say you should take him to church? No. God says the prescription for the old man is death. Pure and simple. He must be killed. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Read verses 6 and 7 with me. Romans chapter 6. It says in verse 6, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. He that is what? Dead is free from sin. And I've told this story before of a story Dr. Onuzo told us how he went one day, parked his car in front of, I think it's Niger Palace Hotel. I don't know whether it still exists or not in Yaba there. And the girls of the night approached him. So when one came and said she had her services to offer, he said, ah, you are talking to a dead man. And the girl screamed and ran away because she thought he was a spirit and wasn't a human being. But what he was saying was that the old man in me is dead. And only the old man would be interested in the services of a prostitute. So all of us men, when we drive past Victoria Island and you see those girls who are dressed half naked, you are saying, hmm, but your two eyes are nearly popping out of your head. Something is wrong. Then your car slows down. 
That's what's called pornography. You are looking at things you ought not to, to look at. Instead of you to drive quickly away. You are busy trying to see in that dark to adjust your eyes. Your old man is what is looking at those people. It's not dead, it's alive. So if you drive past tonight and you look, know that your old man is what? He's alive, yet he's supposed to be what? Dead. Supposed to be dead. God does not prescribe anything. Don't brush up the old man. Kill the old man. He that is dead is freed from sin. Unless the old man dies, your Christian work will fall apart. For you will still be a slave to sin and you will be a rebel to God. Now, this is the good news of the gospel. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, our old man was crucified with him. So God is not asking you, listen carefully, this is just a mystery. But that's what the Bible is, a real deep mystery. When Jesus went to the cross, everybody who is in this hall, your old man was also crucified on that cross. So your old man is not meant to live now that you are a Christian. This is a fact. It is the truth of God. How do you accept it? You believe it the same way you believe that you are born again. If I ask you, how do you know you are born again? You find it very strange because you just know that you are born again. That's faith. Is that same faith God wants you to apply to the fact that your old man is dead? The problem is many Christians do not know this fact that their old man died. God did not wait for you and has never waited, will never wait for you to destroy your old man. He has done so for you. He's destroyed your old man on the cross. And unless you believe that, you can never really appropriate these benefits of your new man being alive. You keep struggling with your old man. Once you accept by faith that Jesus' death on the cross also is the death of your old man, you find that things will begin to change. Things will begin to change. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6, and I'll read from verse 8. It says, Now, if we be dead with Christ, that is, if your old man is already dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, died no more, death had no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord." So that if Jesus died, the Bible says, and we know he died, then your old man died with him. And that because Jesus rose again, you also have a resurrected being, the new man that has risen up with Jesus. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. The reason why people talk about a carnal Christian. A carnal Christian simply means a Christian in, in whom the old man is alive and well. That ought not to be so. That same Romans chapter 6, from verse 12, it says, let's read together verse 12, 13, and 14. Let us read together Romans chapter 6, verses 12, 13, and 14. One, two, go. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the loss thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. And I've said to you one of the ways of bringing forth the effects of the new man is continually keep this verse of scripture in your mind and just keep saying to yourself when you find yourself doing things you often say sin shall not have 
dominion over me. It's the word of God. And it will do something. It will begin to work on your behalf. And you will suddenly find that some strength comes to overcome that sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you. It's impossible. God has ordained that sin will not have dominion over you. So you must yourself must realize that and hold on to that word of scripture. Let it be your watchword for the time being. So that the old man will leave you alone. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read together verses 22, 23, and 24. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22, 23, and 24. One, two, go. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Observe that Paul is speaking here to men and women already saved. And he says to them, you have to put on the new man, you have to put off the old man. The nature of the new man, let's look at it. See, the old man is the product of the devil's deception. The old man is the product of the devil's deception. What does that mean? When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden... In Genesis chapter 3, the serpent came and deceived them into believing that one, they would not die if they disobeyed God, and that two, they would be like God. So, once they accepted that deception, once they accepted that lie, right, they sinned, and that gave birth to what? To the old man. Listen very carefully. Because they believed that lie, they brought forth what we call the old man. And from that point on, everybody else born as a human being had that nature of the old man. That tells you that there was something very critical about the old man. That's that the old man believes lies and can lie. I've said on Sunday, and I've been saying this for a while, because it suddenly dawned on me, Satan is incapable of telling the truth. Even if he wants to tell the truth, he will not be allowed to tell the truth. Because the Bible says he is the father of what? Lies. So if you are here today, that part of you that lies easily is the old man. Your new man can never lie. It's impossible. It's impossible for Jesus to tell a lie because he is the truth. Everything inside him can only speak the truth. Even if he wanted to lie, it would be impossible for him to lie. So one of the ways of knowing whether your old man is alive and well or not is simply this. How many times do you lie in a day? Many not only lie, but they carry themselves in the way of deception. You pretend to be who you are not. That's a lie. People go, there are people in the city of David who just are pressured. And so they behave like they to are MDs of their own companies. The company that doesn't exist. He as broke as anybody. Very poor. But they are going around doing like a chief executive officer. In the night, you suffer. Because if you go and tell people that I, I'm, I'm looking for a job, oh, please help me. They will help you. But when you carry on as if you have money, when you have none, who is going to suffer? You. It's okay to tell the truth that my company has, is dead, though. Nothing is happening there. Maybe I should go and look for a job. But shame won't let you look for a job. Something is wrong with you. You cannot be a Christian inside the city of David on a Sunday and on Wednesdays. And then outside, in your place of work, when you're passing by, your guy just hits your backside and you just smile. That you're living a lie. Your old man is that person that does, just smiles when people say bad things about you. It's your old man that is alive and well. And when you find, if you find that you can lie easily, your old man is alive and well. Because that is 
key thing. There's the truth and there's the lie. And God hates the lie so much. One of the first categories of people who can never get into heaven are liars. That ability to tell a lie, God has destroyed it on the cross when Jesus went to the cross. But when you and I continue to tell lies for any reason at all, and nothing happens to you, it means that your old man is alive and well. He's meant to be dead. The new man, by contrast, is created afresh by God. He's a new creation in Christ. And he is the product of the truth of God's word. You see, the truth of God's word is what provides us with righteousness and holiness. The key into bringing the new mind into the place where it ought to be is you've got to spend some time reading the word of God. By the way, from the 2nd of October, we'll start fasting. The prayer and fasting schedule will be out. And um, this time around, our objective will be to read the book of Romans from the beginning to the end, as many times as is possible throughout the period of the fast. The book of Romans. There's so much about your salvation in the book of Romans, and you've got to read it. Because um, i give you some, an example of the truth of God's word. Sometimes when we say, let us read together, read it. Many of us who have gone abroad have entered into the habit of eating what is called steak. Now, if you want to eat steak in a good restaurant abroad, they'll ask you, do you want it as rare, which means you're eating meat with blood, or medium, eating meat with some little bit of blood, or well done. A Nigerian will say, very well done. And each time people bring that um, issue up. I, the scripture in, in Exodus chapter 12 jumps out again at me. I said, but the Bible says we should not eat this thing at all, sudden with water. Eat not of it, what? Raw. Nor sudden at all with water. But roast with what? With fire. His head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. When you eat it raw, and the funny thing is that Bush Nigerians from Lagos who know that in their homes they eat meat that is well cooked. They go abroad, they first start with medium. Medium is the blood is not too much. Then as you eat it, there's something about the word of God. There's something about blood. Your taste buds adjust to the blood. And you find that you begin to say one day, let me try rare. When you touch rare steak, you just put your knife in it like that, blood will just begin to flow. Look at some people like their face like this. When they go abroad now, <laughs> when they go abroad and they begin to eat those things and they won't know that's what has happened to them as you are making your face like that that's how the, those people who are eating it they have made their face here that's the advantage of the word of God when they bring those things to you the word of God that you know will jump out at you and say ah the Bible says people should not eat meat like this so don't eat it raw if there's blood in it it's not cooked that's the advantage of reading the word of God you don't read the word of God, the truth will never come at you. You see, your new man is that which is brought out. How? By the truth of the word of God. And it produces righteousness and holiness. God's remedy is therefore that one, crucify the old man, and to create in us a new man, which is the product of truth. Turn with me to First Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Let's read together. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Are we all there? 1, 2, go. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but if only corruptible of, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You are born again, not of what? Corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So the nature of the seed will determine the nature of the life that comes out of it. As they say, there's no way you can take an orange and plant orange seed and plant it and get apple. Or take an apple 
and plant apple seed and get orange. It's not possible. So the Bible here says that you are not born of what? Of corruptible seed. So that which should grow out of you, that which should show forth when you are born again, is that which is what? Incorruptible. It's impossible, you see, to be a Christian and to be taking bribes. It's not possible. It's not possible at all. It's impossible to be a Christian and to give bribes. Because everybody does it. Everybody does it. That's why you are not everybody. Your name is not everybody. Your name is not everybody. If you are born as a natural person, then you are born of corruptible seed. The Bible says that which is born of the flesh is what? It's flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is what? It's spirit. Your old man is born of what? Of the flesh. Your new man is born of what? Of the spirit. That which is born of the flesh is corruptible. That seed that is in the old man is a seed that is a liar, that is susceptible to lies, that is corruptible. And you know what corruption means? It means after a while, everything will rot and die. Everything will rot and die. So if you are born again of incorruptible seed, you will enjoy what? Incorruptible life. Because it is impossible for incorruptible seed to produce corruptible life. Do you understand? You cannot be a Christian, born again, spirit-filled, and you speak in tongues. You see, that's what, where God has one up on you and I. What he says he will do, he will do. That you speak in tongues does not make you an owner of a mansion in heaven. It doesn't. It just shows that the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's the gift of God. And God's gifts are without repentance. Why? Because he is God. There's nothing he can give you that you can use to damage him. It's only in Nigeria that we can make somebody a running mate. And he tends to overrun you after. But if God says you are seated in Christ in heavenly places, you can't harm God. If you are born again, there is an incorruptible seed in you. That seed cannot be corrupted. It's not possible. Cannot. So let's examine our lives and think of all the things we have done, even just today. And determine, determine for ourselves whether or not the old man is alive and well, or it is a new man that is alive and well in us. The key word in your discerning your new nature is incorruptible. And what is that seed that brings forth the new man? What is it that causes the new man to be incorruptible? It is the word of God. The word of God. Turn to James chapter 1 verse 18. James chapter 1 verse 18. The Bible says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God of his own will made you born again. It wasn't you who decided to be born again. It's God. And then the Bible says that is done with the word of truth. The word of truth is the word of God. As I say to people, if you are walking down the road and you see a bag containing money and you pick it up and say, praise the Lord, the Bible does not say Give, and it shall be given unto you, and you shall find it on the road. No. It says, it shall cause men to give unto you. So if somebody does not give to you, and you just pick the money up on the road, that's not the word of God. It's not. But if you don't know the word of God, you will think that that is your lucky day. And you will think that if you give some to can from that money, and some to... Uh, as tithes from that money that it is okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. 
You've got to know the word of God. Once you know the word of God, then you will suddenly find that you know how to live your life aright. The new man is a product of truth. The truth of God's word begets in us an incorruptible nature. The only way that you can grow, that the new man can have predominance in our lives, is if we spend time reading this Bible. You don't read this Bible, you won't know what to do. You will not know what to do. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3, verse 9. Let's all read that together. This is the word of God. And then try and imagine for yourself what it means. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. 1, 2, go. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Who is the Bible referring to here? Is it you? No. He's referring to your new man. That new man that is born of the word of truth is incapable of committing sin. He cannot lie, just like it's not possible for Jesus to lie. Just like it's impossible for Satan to tell the truth. So also, if you are born of God, you are born again, you cannot sin. Your new man cannot sin. It tells you, therefore, that there are two sides to every human being who is born again. There's the old man ought to be dead, and there's a new man. The old man's business is to commit sin. The new man cannot sin. If the old man wanted to, he could not prevent himself from sinning. Whatsoever, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. The Bible tells us that children, for example, and heritage of who? Of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is what? His reward. So where do children come from? From God. Can children come from, I don't want to call their names, from agents of darkness? No. Can children come from, from the far priest? No. Children come from where? From God. So don't, it will be a lie if you believe that somebody somewhere can help you to have a child. It's a lie. You are deceived. It's your old man that's alive and well. Children only come from where? From God. If you want to know tomorrow, Acts 16, 16 tells us it comes from who? From the spirit of divination. That's not the Holy Spirit. It is not what? The Holy Spirit. What does that tell you immediately? It tells you that all those who are in the business of telling us about tomorrow are what? Liars. So the tomorrow they are telling you about will never come to pass that way. But what will they do? They will entice your old man first by saying, Ah, sister, I just saw you entering a plane. Looks like you are going to Dubai on Wednesday. Don't go. And you yourself, your ticket is in your bag. It says Wednesday, you are going to Dubai. Fear will grip your heart, as I said on Sunday. And then you say, ah, why shouldn't I go? Why shouldn't I go on Wednesday? That's the, where the enemy is. Very interesting. He doesn't know tomorrow. So you just say, ah, if you like, go. He will never tell you why. He will never tell you how to avoid it. So you see, life that the old man lives is in the place of lying, is the place of mystery, in the place of fear. Anything that is to create fear in you is, at, is talking to who? To your old man. I remember a day we had a meeting in camp and we finished very late. Very, very late. So normally when I am living like that, I just pray. So I prayed and then my phone rang. And somebody said, ah, where are you? I said, I'm going home. I said, be careful, oh. And as I was operating on the way, I said, I said, I've already cleared the way with the angels. 
I said, there will be no ambrobers here. I said, thank you very much. And I switched off the phone. Useless people. It's not a good message to send anybody. But we went through, and there were no ambrobers on the road. Now, those who spread the message, the senior pastors there, where the old man was alive and where, where fear came, and they believed a lie. They stayed put. They couldn't travel that day. So, if you are going to Dubai, you are not going to do illicit trade. The ticket was not bought by your sugar daddy. You sweated hard. You got your money. You prayed. God opened the door for you. And they said, don't go on Wednesday. Tell them that they don't know what they are talking about. Go, and you will return. Because the moment you fall into that trap, the next thing is, you now begin to ask, eh, so where do I go next? They'll say, okay, many of you are here. They'll tell you, hey, will you come and say, ah, please, oh, there's danger ahead. Give us uh, 500 naira so I can give two or three wallets so fast for you. I know what I'm talking about. I've, I've walked that pathway before. It's only a fool. You carry your money, you give them. They say, you'll be eating. We will fast for you. And you look at the people, they are very gaunt and looking for money. If you go to their houses, the, your money is what they will use to buy chicken. And they will eat well. Do not be interested in tomorrow. The Bible tells you about tomorrow. Say ye to the righteous, it shall be well with him. Your tomorrow will be all right. Don't worry yourself about tomorrow. Because the only one who will give you tomorrow is not God. It's the spirit of divination. And it's not the Holy Spirit. It's a demon spirit. It means that even in its truth, there is a lie buried there that will destroy your life eventually. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. The new man is not the individual you. It's that spirit of God that is in you. That's the new man. And if you suppress it, the old man will live. It's the old man that tells people the lie, that says, why can't we have a Christian nightclub? It's the old man. There's nothing like a Christian nightclub. You go to a Christian nightclub, when will you go for vigil? 1 John 5, verse 4. Read it together with me. 1 John 5, Verse 4. One, two, go. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. If you are born of God, you are born again, you will overcome, you will overcome the world. You will overcome the world. The world will not overcome you. And if you want to overcome the world, it's so simple. Why don't we just stay on God's side? Everything, as you've heard me speak about today, depends on who is in control in your life. Is it the old man that is controlling you or the new man? It's so easy to tell. If you still live in fear, if you still tell lies, if you still practice deception, then the old man is alive and well. Very well. And you are in trouble. If you, still, if you are in a place where they falsify figures, where they prepare separate books for, for central bank and separate books for management, and you are the one helping to prepare it, your old man is the one at work. Why? It is impossible for the new man to be part of that thing. It's not possible. No matter how he tries, it cannot happen. Whomsoever is born of God cannot sin. You cannot. If it's the new man in charge, his hand will not be able to write the falsified figures. It's not possible. So if you are born again, and you still have allowed the old nature to be in control, you will sin. But if the new nature is in control, you will not sin. And like I said, the litmus test, how do you want to know? Take that simple thing called lying. If you still tell lies, if you still do body movements, if you still, you know, dissemble, then it's the old man that's alive in you. 
And God says, your old man, he killed him on the cross. It is for you to appropriate that and let the new man live. And one way for the new man to live is you must spend some time reading the word of God. You just have to. So what do we do? The first thing I want us to do today is the Bible says, whosoever is born of God cannot sin. So, if I'm here and I'm born again, and today, just today, not yesterday, today, I have done all the things that I know. You know yourself that it's your old man that's at work. Bow your heads before the Lord because he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just to forgive us. After that, ask the Lord today to forgive you. Tell him the things that your old man has done. And tell him to have mercy and to forgive you. After that, I'll tell you what to do about entering into the real reality of the new man. So let's speak to the Lord today. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just to forgive us. So speak to him quickly. Father, we come before your throne of grace, your throne of mercy. We ask in the name of Jesus that you have mercy upon us. Look down upon us today, Lord, and have mercy upon each and every one of us. According to your loving kindness, according unto the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out our transgressions before you today, Lord. Lord, hide your face from our iniquity, Lord. Hide your face from our sins. For your word says, if thou were to mark iniquity, who indeed would stand before you? So we gather together today before you, and we ask in the name of Jesus, have mercy upon us, Lord. Have mercy upon each and every one of us. Have mercy, O Lord, upon us. Lord God Almighty, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. Look down upon us today, Lord, and see only the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every one of us, Lord. Spirit, soul, and body, may that blood cover each and every one of us today. Look down upon us today, Lord, and see only the blood. Only the blood. Only the blood. Only the blood. Matazakite zeke bazakatanayade. Nabrosoto lakize malakita. Namasokoto balakite marikatandayade. La soto maskatayade. Nakute kelebakata. Nembrosotu kalibakata nabaye. Le sekete kalikatandayade lakata. Nadoso kuta. Maikato rabakata. La zokoto lakita bayaba. Matuze malikatayade. Hallelujah. And so shall it be in Jesus' mighty name.